0: Hey, Matt. How's it going? Hey. Good, man. How about you? Oh, you know, living the dream. <laughs> um, first time I've talked to you since the Nick Nurse hire. What is your general impression of the Nick Nurse hire? What did you think of it kind of overall?
1: So it's funny. When, um, when, there, when Nurse got hired, I actually wrote an article on uh, Raptors Rapture speaking about uh, why he was a good vote for continuity. And uh, I took it on as kind of a challenge in many ways because – when I when I first heard of the hire, I I was initially in the more of the uh, uh, another camp, another coach, uh, a new voice. Didn't even really matter who it was, but um, as I wrote the article, I I kind of found myself uh, my opinion changing a little bit, especially doing a little bit of research into. Learning that you know he was butting heads with Dwayne Casey a little bit. He was not necessarily always on Dwayne Casey's page and uh, I always think it's been a good uh, a, a good note to make that you know Nick Nurse is not Dwayne Casey right like he doesn't have all the same ideas. And when I listened to his press conference, I was actually even more surprised and shocked to hear the word new, the word experimental, the word a bunch of different words to describe different, uh, you, you know, different things that he wants to bring to the team. So I, to be honest with you, I'm actually quite excited about it because I think that there's a lot of ego management that's going to have to go on, especially with the Rosen and Lowry. And we'll probably talk about it later, but one or two of them might not even be on the team next year. Right. So, uh, you know, how, managing that and, and bringing in a new, almost ushering in a new era in many ways, right. Cause it's a winning era, but how do you how do you continue that forward as a new voice um you know so it's good to have a a, a, continu- a a continuity in terms of like a familiar face but hey you know i think we can do things differently and i mean hopefully the players that are still there are the players that are there from last year and i know really it's only been JV and Lowry and DeRozan who have been through this whole entire process or most of the process together. Um, but they've really, but hopefully, you know, with nurse running the offense last year, really developing an offense that, uh, builds or, or that worked right. Um, and even building that and taking it further will result in much in, in trust being built because that, that that's my biggest fear and worry is the trust not being there. But, um, I mean, overall, I'm super excited about it because of what he's saying, and hopefully when we bring it into practice, it'll, it'll all work out.
0: A couple things that you kind of touched on there. First is the press conference. I watched kind of the press conference and did a piece on it. Like you said, I think that his constant talking about how he wants to change things, and you could really – obviously, press conferences, a lot of that is kind of filler, fluff – don't want to upset the new guy and kind of want to stay on the status quo. But he mentioned change multiple times, particularly defensively. It seems like he really does want to change a couple things that the team did. And he mentioned experimenting during the regular season. So I think one of my biggest takeaways from the press conference is I'm not sure that you'll see the bench mob like we did last year. I think that you'll see mm-hmm. more um, kind of changed rotations and kind of things shaken up a little bit, and kind of more throwing different things on the wall. You know, last year we didn't do a lot of experimenting with what does a pascal or avaka lineup look like? What does kind of these different looks we kind of got in our typical mindset of this is how we play. We're going these five, these five, and I think it's healthy during a regular season that's 82 games long, to change things up and kind of just see what works because you don't actually know what works until you try it out in the game and I think that Casey a lot of times was very kind of stagnant and is thinking mm-hmm. as far as this is what the team runs best at well it doesn't matter what the team runs best at you want to try different things during the regular season in hopes of using them for the postseason and then the second thing is what I kind of got from your article that I didn't think about myself is the point of nurse changing things is a familiar face. So it's a lot easier to have somebody that you know well and that you personally have a relationship tell you to improve things on. So he's already built that up and yes, a different, uh, different voice is going to bring different opinions, but if you have different coaching philosophies and a different enough opinion between an assistant and head coach, I think that there's a lot of upside and positive, um, a lot of upside that can come from an assistant coach who is a familiar face and kind of comes from a better relationship on trying to improve current players.
1: Yeah, I I really love your point there about the bench mob. Um, for me, I I personally found it a little annoying because I I could almost I could almost feel myself while I was watching a game be like, okay, this is when. Lowry's going to come out, and this is when DeRozan's going to come out, and and now and in in kind of judging their point differential, whatever it was at the end of the first quarter, there being like, okay, so the bench bomb either has to sustain this lead or it's close, and I, oh, I just I, I'm just hoping and praying that when when the starters come back that they don't have a, a, a large deficit. And uh, I love uh, I you know I love the the points that Nurse was making about experimentation. I think that again like you said it's really important to be able to uh, have different lineups have and, and honestly build up trust with players right like when you're playing basketball you kind of have to know where players are gonna be and where players' hot spots are I think that could really help a player like cj miles or any other shooters that they might get because I could really see them switching it up and having more shooters but it, I completely agree with you I don't think we'll be seeing as many bench mob more uh, uh mentality or we'll see more traditional lineups where you know there's always one star on the floor as many as many two as many two star teams do is is do stuff like that yeah and i think that it's
0: important to try different things and we always talk about how postseasons are matchup based and you know it all matters on matchups during the postseason well that means that certain players are going to get heavier minutes depending on the matchup and depending on what's right so you <clears> have to get other people used to playing with one another. There's no reason for certain lineups that when we play the Cavaliers, if you want extra defensive switching and things like that, then you can play Pascal and uh, Abaka together, or you can play Ananobi at the four. But when they haven't done it all season, you can't do that. those kind of things, and you kind of limit what you can do during the postseason kind of by the way that you're playing during the regular season, playing so traditional.
1: Mhm. 100 percent agree. I'm actually I'm actually kind of interested to hear what sort of defensive changes you would like to see.
0: I I would personally like to see a little more switching among mm-hmm. the teams. Um it's kind of hard Jonas obviously JV's not going to be a switch center anytime in his career. Um I think that's pretty clear. But I think that you can switch a lot of one through Four even, or one through three, I think Pascal can switch, OG can switch, Damar can switch, and Kyle can switch. And I would like to see a little bit more switching. I think, obviously, that's kind of the new trend right now, so maybe they won't be doing that as much. I'm not sure what else he's looking at experimenting with. It looks like he also talked about different things being done around the league as far as zone principles. So mm-hmm. I would guess we're going to bring a third man as kind of a tagger a little more often than what we've done so far. Um, Casey is very well known for trying to play the pick and roll with two people, and that's kind of his M.O. on defense, and he doesn't want to help off. I think that Nurse is going to try to bring a third defender in more often in order to stop those guys like LeBron and things like that. I think that would be his biggest challenge. Um, but I don't know. It will be interesting to see. Uh, do you have any kind of theories or thoughts on how the team is going to kind of move forward defensively for next season?
1: I I personally feel that I mean again in this spirit of experimentation and new and and trying different things. I I I could see them bring out different different coverages, you know, different plays like let's like let's say they hit on something that's working, like even like a, a quick flash of zone. Uh, you know, they do a zone for a few plays and then and then go back to a more traditional sets. But I also agree with you. I think I I I think with more players that are more versatile and can guard multiple positions, the switching makes just switching makes sense, especially since everybody's an athlete in the NBA. But at the same time, you know, I also don't I also don't feel that they're gonna allow DeRozan to hide as much uh, anymore. I think. Uh, I think, uh, and, I, and I and I hope that DeRozan takes on that challenge too. He's been pretty beat up in the media and on social media for, as well for, you know, perhaps not being as good a defender or trying as much on defense as he could. And I think, I think, I, I and at least I hope that the new coaching staff will push him a little bit more to to not hide or to not be so flat-footed because I find him to be a little flat-footed or a little out of his stance. And I understand being the best offensive player that you. You, you want to try to conserve that energy, but at the same time, uh, defense has been a problem for this team, and, and, they, and they never really hit on something that works. So I'm hoping that a new voice will, A, allow, will push DeRozan a little bit more to, to, to do that, to, do, to be a better defender, and then, B, more experimentation and trying to figure out, you know, how best to use JV, and I, it, it, it's tough. It, it, it's really tough to know because he, is, he he's just so so big. And and he gets caught in pick and roll, pick and rolls a lot uh, out of position, allowing people down the center of the key. So, um, how, you know, and that's the, and that's the exciting thing about offense as well is that I feel like Nick Nurse is somebody who's actually going to really try to utilize JV because JV's so, so gifted and can really go into that beast mode that we that uh, that that is so desperately needed from him that it will. They'll hopefully throw the first punch that the other team will have to counter and put a more slower, bigger guy out there to help JV, which, which helps the Raptors on defense anyway.
0: It's a weird thing that DeMar is so poor defensively in the fact that he's a great athlete. I mean, maybe not the elite athlete of the league, but he's up there. He's certainly one of the better athletes in the league, and he's a notoriously hard worker, and it's odd that he struggles so bad defensively to me. I'm not really sure... If it's just a lack of focus there or what the total reason is. I understand he carries a heavy burden on offense, but there's other guys that do that as well. And I, it's his defensive kind of uh, lack of will or lack of kind of intensity on that end has always been perplexing to me. And for JV, it will be interesting, like you said, I think that JV's most comfortable playing a deep drop. I think he kind of struggles when he's on a hedge, so it will be interesting trying to see him evolve into Nurse's defense, especially if we're trying a lot of blitzing different packages like it seems like he wants to do. And offensively, I think it will also be a challenge for him because I think Nurse is very intent on playing faster. I Mm -hmm. think... Obviously, from his time with the Rio Grande Vipers, they played fast. Now, how much of that was a Maury mandate, I'm not sure we know. But if I had to guess that this team would play in the top ten teams of the league, we are about average last year. I think they'll be in the top ten as far as pace goes, and I would expect the team to play faster. And I would expect them to play smaller last than last year. And I kind of wonder where that leaves us because – Playing small is nice, and everybody wants to play smaller, and I've always been an advocate for playing smaller. But you have kind of four talented traditional bigs. I guess Pascal's not really a traditional big. But you have four power forward centers not playing small forward. It will be interesting to see, and this rotation can't get much bigger. So if he wants to add Norman Powell in, it will be interesting to see if someone's cut out of the rotation or what they're going to do kind of. Moving forward with the big men on this team
1: yeah especially since I mean someone like JV's been rumored in trades for a year but it's funny it's funny I don't I don't feel the same temperature that he's necessarily gonna be traded I feel like I feel like even though he has the salary to to match in a trade i'm I'm not sure on JV's like trade value even and so in that case. You got to utilize them correctly. So I, I'm all, I'm all for the speed as well. I'm also a small ball advocate and, and positionless big men as well. But when we have this more traditional big that is so dominant, fine I, I, I think finding ways to get him involved more. It felt like, it felt like much of last season too when he was being dominant. The Raptors struggled and and only had like one or two go to sets to actually get him involved. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and I think, really building out a more traditional uh, playbook surrounding surrounding such a powerful asset, right? Because if, cause J, I because I find JV to be a very smart big man as well. He he's really good about knowing knowing when knowing when he has the advantage over his man with, with his back turned to the basket and when he doesn't. Being ha, having a dominant big man like that really opens up really opens up those shooters. And and, and, and while it's a little bit more of a traditional set a, a traditional basketball mindset. I still feel like it can be valid here, especially if we get more cuts going and more, and more off ball movement going as well. And I, I like, like, like I'm excited to see that if JV is still on the team and what that leaves is Yaka Pertl being an interesting mix as well, because that was, that was always an issue for me. I found with the team on the offensive end and the defensive end as well, to be honest, is that two, again, two traditional centers that don't really stretch the floor, uh, is, is other teams dreams right so you, you, you know getting our one or two of them on the team I Pascal will obviously be there his, his shot is developing I just think he needs to I like I'm hoping he's shooting three to five thousand threes a day <laughs> and really and really building that out but uh, yeah I think in in Baca will probably be there as well that contract is, is kind of tough so I we might not be as fast as maybe Nurse would like, but I'm really hoping that Nurse can come up with some good ideas on how to utilize those big men and and, and keep their and keep their defenders out of the paint.
0: And to your point about running things through JV and him being a smart player. He's also a, he's not a Nikola Jokic passer, but he's a very good passer out of the post and out of the high post, and I think that you can use that skill set a lot, especially with cutters like you mentioned having a big that can pass like that is a real asset for your team. And you can want to play small. You won, and I think we both want to play smaller, but you also have to coach to the roster you have. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to take your best player off the floor. Or I, JV's not the best player, but it doesn't t- make sense to take one of your best players off the floor for a considerable game just because you want to play a certain way. You have to build your offense and build to your personnel. You don't want to be playing a system that doesn't fit the talent you have. I think you're right about Jakob Pertle I think it will be interesting to see what he does moving forward. For JV, I, it's hard to imagine a trade where you're getting equal value. It seems like the center market is flooded with guys that you can find, and as we see Enos Kanter decline as option. Um, I think JV's a little bit better than Enos Kanter, but if I can get Enos Kanter for $7 million, why would I trade an asset to go get JV at 17? You know what I mean? It doesn't – I'm not sure that the market is going to be great for him. So I wonder what they're going to do moving forward um, kind of with this roster and if they're going to shed a big man, if they're going to continue to have to play slower or kind of what – it will be interesting to see how Nurse and Masai kind of coordinate their plans of how they want to play and what they want to do with this team.
1: That that Ennis Cantor tweet you sent out, by the way, had me in stitches. That was that was that that was hilarious. <laughs> and but I think um I think I think someone like Nurse is actually gonna help someone like you just mentioned Norman Powell, right? I feel like I, I I feel like Norman Powell might thrive in a Nick Nurse type of offense. I feel I feel like sometimes when I was watching Powell, he wanted to maybe cut or move a little bit more than. Than some than, than maybe the offense allowed him to right and, and and I feel like a lot of the a lot of the offense was still built around having spacing for Lowry and Demar to do work in many ways so if if Norman has a little bit more uh, freedom to use that speed and that strength that he does possess it could really help him find a flow in many ways and um, I know a lot of Raptor fans are really hoping that Norman Powell's not on the team or that again his contract is used uh, for salary matching in a trade. But I actually kind of fully expect him to be on the team next year and really have a bounce back year. I, his, his heart is there, right? His heart is there. You know, given the chance, he will do it, and I think I, I think he could do quite well.
0: Well, who do you think gets the ax Then I guess, right. because to me, I don't think that this team, I don't think we're going to be a luxury tax team next season. I just don't think after the playoff failures you had, it's a kind of a tough sell that we're going to bring back the exact same unit as last year and pay a luxury tax bill, especially when that prevents you from paying luxury tax in the future because you don't want to get hit with the repeater tax. Who do you think is the contract to go? Because it seems like the fan choice is Norman Powell right now. But, well, Norman Powell or Serge Ibaka, but I think Ibaka is obviously more wishful thinking. It feels like someone is going to have to go in order to keep this team under the luxury tax. Who do you think that is?
1: I to be honest with you, I actually think it might be Lowry. Um I'm uh, I've been I've been wondering whether there might have been a little bit of superiority complex going on between Casey, uh, DeRozan and Lowry and Masai might not have been as happy about that as as he would have liked, and um, you know there was such a bond between those three that it could have also, going back to the DeRozan defense point that we were just talking about, maybe was holding DeRozan back a little bit as well, and really in, in bringing in new voices and new people to push him. Um, I, I I don't know how much credence there is to the story that P.J. Tucker challenged DeRozan on his on his defense two playoffs ago, and 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 DeRozan and Lowry didn't like that very much. Lowry's got the big, Lowry's got the big contract coming, uh, a big contract increase coming, Lowry, Lowry's getting older, and I mean, he was not all-star last year, they're, uh,
0: you I, meant, I, I'm I, sorry, I, you meant Van Vliet's getting the contract raise, right, you said Lowry. Oh, sorry,
1: yes, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, it's, it, it, from the press conference, it certainly sounds like Van Vliet's getting the contract raise, um, but where does that leave Lowry, right, and is it, is it looking to the future is it looking is it looking forward a little bit are we going to take a a quarter step back and losing Lowry to hopefully take a step forward in the future with Van Vliet and DeLon at the point I could see it happening because that really does keep us under the luxury tax we again I think I think the league knows that the Raptors want to make a change which means they Raptors might not get equal value back in return but I could see for more of a going back to the culture reset again from 2 years ago maybe do we need to take that a little step further there's also talk online a lot of talk online i see a lot of people saying oh we need to trade demar we need to trade demar i for me for me for me being the culture warrior that i am i ne- i don't hope that ha- i hope that doesn't happen because i feel that demar's been so loyal to the team and i feel and i feel like truly some of his family uh, situation going on in the background might have held him back a little bit, especially in the playoffs. So I really hope that it's not DeRozan, but my, my my heart and my gut is telling me that it's Lowry and that the team is hoping that Nick Nurse and the new voices in the room can hopefully make up for some of Lowry's grit and some of Lowry's leadership that will definitely be lost if he's not there.
0: I think if we're just talking last year, I think Lowry is still by a hair the better player than DeMar DeRozan. But when you take in factors that it seems everybody has a point guard and nobody has a wing, that has to matter. And you know, 32 years old, I believe, I believe 32, maybe 31. Um, 32 years old, six foot tall, has a kind of his contract isn't too late. But I mean, I wonder what the market's going to be for Lowry, and but I think you have to move on to DeRozan. I don't think you can if you are making that choice hypothetically between the two, I think you have to go with the guy who's a couple years younger and who plays the wing rather than the guy who's playing point guard, a position that you're already set at for the at least semi set semi well with Fred Van Vliet and Delon Wright. It will be interesting to see, but I would agree with you between DeMar and Kyle that he would be the one to go I don't see the team kind of moving on from the 28-year-old when it's clear you're not going to contend at least seriously for a title during Lowry's current contract.
1: Do you do personally? Do you feel that that it needs to happen? Like do like like do you think do you think they need to be broken up? Because I, I kind of feel I kind of feel like they do. I, I, I I'm not Toronto fan. Toronto fans can be very. Can, can be very like left or le- left or right. It's either one or the other. Like either both of them or neither of them. I would I would pers- I personally don't want to see the neither of them option. I want to see one of them on the team next year. But yeah, I agree. I, I definitely agree with you that we have to have we have to have the younger person if a bit like the younger person, the person with more upside. I personally feel that Demar might be a little bit more liked around the league as well, especially amongst the younger players. That could help in recruitment efforts as well.
0: Right. I think that I don't think that you're going to come back with neither of them next year. I, I actually wouldn't be opposed to it. I think kind of turning it over to the young kids and letting them play would be okay. But I don't think that the team wants to go through a real kind of serious rebuild. So I don't, I wouldn't expect that next year. I, I think it's more likely that you see both of them on the team next year than neither of them. And I'm not. To be honest, I'm not sure either gets moved this offseason. I could see them trying to make a Norman Paul and Delon Wright trade where maybe you get rid of Delon Wright to get rid of Norman Paul and bring back the same team. I wouldn't want that to happen, but that's kind of my gut feeling on it right now.
1: What do you, what do you think we need? What do you think is the biggest thing that we can bring in that will help us if we're if we're to believe the team's messaging about we're not we're not going to go through a rebuild. We're going to maybe, perhaps, go through a transformation. Um, what do you think? What do you think we need to bring in to help uh, help push the team forward, or at least keep the team uh, running with with the Philadelphias and the Boston's of the Eastern Conference right now? Uh,
0: to be frank, probably I don't think there's anything that one thing that could do it. But mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna take a shot at it, I think you have to trade for you have to try to get. OG Ananobi to take a huge leap and it's not realistic to expect those kind of Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard type leaps but that's what you would need if you really wanted to contend from him which you would need him to pop and you would need Pascal Siakam to pop as well into their high end of what their potential is and it's not realistic to expect both of them to kind of reach the high end of their potential it just doesn't happen that way um but I think you're better off kind of trying to move Lowry, trying to move DeMar, move as much space as possible, and then trying to make a play in free agency while you still have other guys under control, um, under contract. Because you still should have Pascal on his rookie deal, OG on his rookie deal. And you have enough guys on lower-level deals that you should be able to make a move. But, I don't know, it would be tough. I think... Most likely this team will look somewhat similar for the next two years. And then once Lowry, JV, and Ibaka all hit free agency, you'll see the major transformation coming.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense actually thinking about it. And maybe that's more wishful thinking on me that OG is going to take a, a big leap. But I think we actually saw today that uh Dwayne Casey has actually hired the Raptors developmental coach as uh to be on his staff um I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw that coming in but that's that's happened as well and the Raptors have been really known for their development but uh, we're also coming in with a whole new staff so I mean this could this could end up being one of those years where you where, where, where you maybe regress a little bit but there's a lot of hope for the future, and that the young guys are going to get a lot of time, and and we're going to try new things, and we're going to really see what works. And I I, 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 mean, I could see that too. The thing, the thing that's interesting about this, about the whole situation with the Raptors, I find is that nobody's uh, suggestion is really out of the realm of possibility, right? Like we have a we we have a GM known for making known for making moves, but also known for being uh, uh, A very how, patient GM. He's but, not. Yeah.
0: He's not Daryl Morey making major overhauls to the roster he kind of nibbles around the big move rather than going all in several times
1: yeah uh I I I think I think I think that some of the online discussion around Kawhi Leonard is definitely not gonna happen yeah it's ridiculous Um, it's I mean
0: (laughs) it's like the Sacramento fans mentioning it like what are you gonna mortgage your future for a guy who's gonna leave There's been no indication why would he want to leave San Antonio, a roster that, I mean, Toronto's been run very well, don't get me wrong, but if you're leaving a well-run organization, it's clear you have your eye on a bigger prize than a well-run organization, and I'm not sure that Toronto is the place that really paints him in a better light, like, you know what I mean, that's not a big enough market, it's clear he wants to go to a bigger market, so what would be the point of
1: trading for a guy like that, I but anyway, especially, yeah, especially, I mean, especially a guy who's on a who's on a one year deal Who's going to mean. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's definitely not going to happen either. What do you think of um, what do you think of perhaps perhaps bring perhaps the Raptors at, at a karma level bringing back Vince Carter for 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 his last year? like, is that something that's possible? I know they had their open ro- roster spot last year. Good vet to maybe help some of the young guys, maybe put to bed some old demons and ghosts, to so to help Toronto move on. Is it, do, do you think do you think maybe there's a feel good story there that the Raptors could uh, hold on to in a season that perhaps uh, expectations will be a little bit lowered and it's something to excite the fans a little bit?
0: Uh, perhaps you know I I think that would certainly it wouldn't hurt the organization at that level, especially if you're getting got rid of guys like Lowry. In a bucket and stuff like that. But there's enough veteran leadership on this team. If you have anyone that you see in Summer League that you think might be of use later on, then I don't think it's worth it. You know, if some of these Summer League guys pop like you hope they do, I'm not sure I want to miss out, even if it's a 5% chance on that 5% chance to bring back Vince Carter for veteran leadership when you have a decent amount of seasoned veterans on the team.
1: Fair enough.
0: (laughs) Speaking of that, I kind of want to talk about the Raptors' Summer League roster. So, so far they have three sign-ins, and it's Raul Alkins, it is Andrew Rousey, and it is Giddy Potts. I'm not sure if you're aware of any of these guys, um, and even if you are, I'll go through real quick for the listeners. Giddy Potts is a point guard from Middle Tennessee State. He's a pretty good three-point shooter, needs to work on his distributing a little bit, but certainly can play. Um, I would call him a pretty productive player in college. You have Andrew Rousey is an extremely productive college player. He's a shooter from Marquette, scored, I believe, around 17 a game for Marquette, Um, 5'10 white guy, not a huge sample size of that succeeding in the NBA, but certainly a guy who was... Totally competent in college and really produced at a high level. And then Raw Alkins, which I think has been the biggest excitement out of Raptors Twitter. Um, huge athlete from Arizona, really can really can jump out the gym. Is six five, so that's worrisome. But he almost reminds you of kind of a small. At six five, he won't be able to play power forward, but with his athleticism, he might be able to play the three. It will be interesting to see kind of how he's used for us. If you had to take a guess on summer league rosters, and obviously these are all, you're just looking for a guy who can play. Would you expect us to bring in someone kind of in this Giddy Potts and um, Andrew Rousey role as a guard, or would you expect us to go more for kind of that wing playmaker, multiple position guy?
1: I I definitely see... Uh, it, it, with the multiple position for sure and I, I i'm actually a huge pretty big alkins fan i think he's uh i think he has a tremendous upside again you mentioned the size being the big issue with, with 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 him and athleticism doesn't last forever and athleticism at the next level is also a little tough as well but i mean he averaged 13 points four rebounds two assists and a steal and 35 35 from three last year that's that's really good, and I mean, I mean, I think we, I think the Raptors have also been scouting him for a while. He actually, he was actually in uh, for a pre-draft workout in 2017 as well, and uh, before he decided to ultimately go back to uh, to Arizona. I would, I, I, I mean, I mean, in terms of looking at the roster right now, I think the the the, the roster has so many position players that looking to find somebody a little bit more positionless. Uh, Perhaps is is the way to go and start and starting to think in that direction a little bit more. Uh, if it, if there was somebody I would at least for me who I would expect to come out of uh, to come out of the, uh, the the summer league with a chance, it would certainly be Olkins.
0: Yeah, I I think he has the greatest chance on the team. Thirty five percent three point shooting. Once you back that up to the NBA level, obviously that goes a little bit lower. I think his skill level isn't quite there yet, but if he's someone that you think you can mold him into one of those guys, it would be huge to kind of get that six, five athlete who plays bigger than he lists. And I think he has maybe not transcendent athleticism, but has, I mean, top tier athleticism, certainly top end athleticism for a guy who's not drafted. So I think he's the biggest excitement. Um, Giddy Potts, I want to read his scouting report just so everybody, tell me if this sounds like a Raptor you know. An athletic, Mm -hmm. thickly built combo guard that can shoot and score the basketball, highly productive, can run, point, and defend upper echelon players, very scrappy, and could turn into a second-round pick. I mean, that sounds like Fred Van Vliet's exact scouting report, (laughs) so I think perhaps Masai has a type, but I think it It will be interesting to watch him, but like you said, I think just due to his position and the way he plays, I think Alkins is probably the best chance to make this roster.
1: Yeah, I think also I I think the positivity around – uh, what the 905 is doing, and you know, congrats to Jama to Jama Mama Layla as well for, for for getting that position as as the head coach there as well. I think I, I think he uh, Alkins is somebody who could really thrive in that in that in that two way contract of being half you know half on half on the Raptors team, learning from learning from learning from a lot of young guys who went through the 905 process to to being permanent members of the team and and really and then just really thrive driving at that next level and getting pushed really hard on the 905 I think could really help his development really help him learn what the NBA what the NBA game is like and, and I, I I think the Raptors have done a really fantastic job for having such a young uh, G League team to, ha- to be able to have such a positive uh, uh, developmental process there. Uh, we're seeing a lot of guys come out of there, much better basketball players, even if they go over to Europe or end up on another NBA team that I think there's a lot of positivity around there. So the Raptors, the, the Raptors have that environment where they can perhaps take, a, t- take some more chances well on people like Alkins because the results could happen. Um because they have such a positive environment,
0: sure, and any time that you're bringing in a guy that was undrafted, you're hoping for a ten percent chance he eventually is a contributor on your team. You know it's not mm. like you can it's not like you have these high expectations where you're like, well, they better produce. I think you're more swinging for the home run here and right. hoping and that home run quite frankly at this level is someone who can play and get on the team, so mm. as much as um, as much as you hope that these guys turn into contributors, you have to be realistic with yourself at the same time and know that they, there's almost no chance they will, but it doesn't take you from, it doesn't stop you from taking your shots here.
1: Totally. Totally. I I a hundred percent agree. And I, I, I mean, out of, uh, out of all the, uh, out of all the undrafted players, they're really, again, swinging for the fences, going for that home run and to getting, getting the best available out. Um, I, uh, I found it. I uh, I wonder. I wonder how much uh, stock there was in the fact that Costas and Antenta uh, I I can't say Giannis's last name. Uh, brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how much uh, uh Costas uh, Costas's stock was in was in with the Raptors since he did come in for a pre draft workout as well. But um, I forget who he got drafted by. But he got drafted in the second round as uh, well.
0: The Mavs. I think it was with Mister Relevant pick.
1: Oh. I think. Oh. Uh, Oh, last really? The of
0: the draft. Yeah, I'm not totally sure on that. Um, I can look it up right now. Um,
1: yeah. But, yeah, he
0: got picked by the Mavs, which also, you know, that's a great sign for um, – yeah, he did get picked with the last pick of the draft. That's a great shout-out to Giannis in case you ever want to pursue him in free agencies, say. You know, okay. the Mavericks actually had Boogie's brother signed to their G League roster for a long time despite him kind of objectively not being worth the contract. So I think this is a smart move by Cuban to just go ahead and use a couple assets to try to get the big name-free agents on your side here.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially since they also took uh, – uh, sorry, they traded for – because they, they drafted Trey Young, but they actually got Luka.
0: Right, uh, yeah, I thought they yeah. had the best draft kind of overall. They also took Jalen Brunson, who I think can really contribute at the next level, and I think I it probably spells bad signs for Yogi Ferrell. Which perhaps maybe helps us in the keeping of Fred VanVleet. So as it relates back to the Raptors, but I think they had the, probably the best draft in my opinion out of anybody.
1: Yeah, I think I think I would agree with you as well. the The Mavericks are the Mavericks are making moves again, which is good because I've always, you know, I mean, I've always liked the Mavericks, and uh, and to see them. Trying to experiment with different lineups over the past few years and try to do different things, and some of it's worked, and some of it certainly has not worked. Uh, to 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 hopefully get them back on the right track is good, and I and Luka Doncic is is a really good pick too. So
0: yeah, and I I actually watched an odd amount of Mavericks games last year. I'm not sure why, just kind of on the West Coast. Pretty bad team, but I thought Rick Carlisle was going to have a heart attack on the sideline. Like he looked. He looked visibly upset. It seemed like he might have a heart attack any day. So just for his health, I think it's smart that they got a more win-now team. I think they might go after. I expect them to probably at least give Capella an offer sheet. Um, Mm -hmm. If that fizzles out, maybe Boogie, which is always a risk coming off the Achilles. But it will be interesting to see where they go. I could see them maybe not making the playoffs next year, but at least being a better team because um, I do think Luke is also one of the more ready-now players.
1: Oh,
0: 100%. And I guess kind of the last thing here, um, as we head towards free agency, free agency's now officially one week away. The Raptors don't have really any cap space to move. They have the taxpayer mid-level. So, like I said, I don't expect them to be paying the tax next season so perhaps they move off the money ahead of time and they move off enough that they can make a signing but do you think that they're go after anyone with that mid-level
1: exception i think i think i think they have to um i'm not i'm I'm not 100 sure who that is um i really think it depends on the style that that uh that Nick Nurse really wants to employ, if it's if it's perhaps more shooting or a lot of, like like like, do they go after uh, some like a JJ Redick type player that doesn't really add a lot of defense to the team? Do I they? I think he's going to get more
0: anyways. I don't think. Yeah, I know the market's tough for shooting guards or for players right now, but I. It depends also if I guess if we get down to the non taxpayer, um, but if we're at the taxpayer, that's five and a half which I certainly don't think Dwayne if you get up to nine million depending on the years you might be able to get in that ball game but it would be interesting yeah I think shooting would be the kind of the way to go um, if they do add anybody
1: yeah 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 I agree I think I think I, I think that's who it is um, you know I mean, I mean, it's always wishful thinking to get a uh, to get a marksman who can also who's also fast and can defend, but I think that sort of be the mold of person that they were looking for, and and you know where 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 you could take fifty percent more shooting for twenty percent less defense or, or or what in between, and, and and again, I think it just goes back to you know this is a this is a new this is a new coach in a new era with different thinking, but you have to sort of have a base of 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 of, of what of what gaps you want to fill and mm-hmm. and, and what and what gaps are going to get you closest to, to you know either a staying competitive or 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 b even what is the 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 goal of this next season if it's, uh, I I, I mean that could that that could really depend on what you get right do you get a two way player even like someone like 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 a, just a big strong athlete guy I mean you could also do something like that as well,
0: yeah I I could also see them using maybe part of their mid-level, so maybe they don't use the entire mid-level, but they use $3 million of it to go after like a uh, like a Gerald Green, a David Nwaba-type player. Um, I'm not sure if they'll try to sign anyone. This roster's already pretty thick with guys and kind of pretty thick with rotation guys particularly. It will depend on mm-hmm. what goes out to keep us under the tech, but like you said, I would expect us to try to add a piece of shooting and – I would be very surprised, depending on the trades, obviously, but I would be very surprised if the position they added wasn't kind of a wing, either a two guard or a three guard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I definitely think that's the area they're going to focus on as well. And, uh, and, 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 and I, I mean, depending depending on again going back to our discussion about the big guys, which direction they want to go in, uh, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a per and, and again and again this is wishful thinking because this is going to be a hard move, but either a Purtle or a Norman Powell to not be there. Um, but yeah, I, I for sure do not see them going into the tax, and I and and and, and, and I mean I, I I I think they might get fleeced a little bit or or not exactly get equal value back in return. And we might be feel a little deflated after a trade, but hopefully in the long run that, they, that they're they seeing either A, the savings, or B, the long-term plan of we could develop a, someone potentially as well.
0: Well, I think that's <laughs> everything I wanted to get to. Matt, thanks for coming on. Um, it was good talking to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Mike. I, I, I hope to do it again soon, and I'm really looking forward to the summer and, and I mean, I mean, the NBA is a 12 month league, right? There's always something new and exciting to, to talk about. So hopefully after, after, uh, you know, free agency opens, we'll have something exciting to talk about and something exciting to break down, uh, in Rafterland.
0: Yeah. Hopefully something a little more exciting than our draft. So. <laughs>